Okay. Uh, do we have Dr. Rosenberg uh, on the line yet? You do. Hey, excellent. You do. You do. You oh, do. Thank so you so much. Have you. Well, thank you for having me. It's an honor. It, well, the honor is all ours. Uh, I was watching your, your TEDx talk last night, and I think everyone should definitely watch it. Gifted Wisdom of Unpleasant Feelings. Uh, the opening story is a winner, and you've got like 1.2 <laughs> million views, which is about 1.119 million views more than I have on my TEDx talk. So, you know, uh, we've 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 got a we've got a we've got a clear winner here in that one. But I think Kylie, do you want to introduce the doctors, since I think you've got the tighter relationship than than I do? Yes. So I've had the privilege of of knowing Dr. Rosenberg now for three and a half years, maybe four years, something like that. Um, she has been an incredible um, source of wisdom to me in my life. And uh, I've spent a lot of time talking about various mental health related topics. And given uh, the increased amount of stress and anxiety in all of our lives due to COVID-19, thought it would be a really great um, platform to bring Dr. Rosenberg in to talk to us about ways that we can really focus on eliminating stress and anxiety from our everyday life, knowing that both those things are gut killers, which is um, not anything any of us need or want, being um, the community that we are that are really focused on trying to improve our gut balance and gut health every day through through Jetson and um, and the other recommendations that we, we, we spread, right? Drink water, eat well, get enough sleep, take a good probiotic, um, and, and reducing stress and anxiety is, um, is just as important. So that, uh, that is that. I will let Joan, uh, do you wanna jump in and um, kind of share a little bit more about your background with the rest of the group? Sure. I'm a licensed psychologist and have been uh, at it for more decades than I like to admit. And, <laughs> and it, well, it's, I'll just say I started very early in life. The, there you go. There you go. You were, and, you were seven. It was a, it yeah, it was a seven and Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And, <laughs> and uh, have spent my, really my entire professional life uh, working in two domains. I've had, I've seen clients for all the amount of time that I've also been teaching graduate school and teaching, uh, teaching predominantly doctoral students, but also master students how to do psychotherapy. So I've, I've been in the business of, of supervising and training and doing the work for, as I said, many decades. Uh, yeah. I'm, uh, so teaching, I've taught at U, uh, University of Southern California. I was a staff psychologist at UCLA. And currently I'm teaching at Pepperdine University. So I, I think um, I'll just ask a few questions to kick it off. Maybe you can just help us out here. I mean, certainly watching the the TEDx talk, which is something everyone on on this line should do. <clears throat> but in in the absence of fifteen minutes to everyone run away and watch it and come back, maybe you can just kind of give us the uh, the synopsis of, especially right now when I think literally everyone on the planet is having unpleasant feelings and and unwelcome feelings in some cases, or what we think are unwelcome feelings or feelings of stress. I mean, give us the bright side. Like, what, yeah, well, what, no, why, are, why are these a gift? Well, they are, they are a gift. Uh, let me, I, I want to, I'll see if I can keep this super short, but I want to contextualize sure. it a little bit. From the story in the TEDx talk, and thank you for watching it and, and honoring it, the, the, I had big questions when I was young. Well, the first one, because I was not, I was such a shy, sensitive child, 
it was, it was how does somebody develop confidence? Because I didn't have it then. I wanted to fit in and belong like most of us want. And, but it's like, that just wasn't happening as a young child and into my adolescence. And I was bullied and have that as part of my background. And when I got into my professional life, uh, uh, what I noticed is how difficult it was for people to experience unpleasant feelings. And, and so the, the second question for me was, well, what makes that so difficult for us to experience unpleasant feelings? Mm. And, and it turns out that the answer to that second question is the answer to the first question about confidence. And, and so, so let, me, let me then kind of dig yeah. into yeah. the, un, Let's the unpleasant. Let's unpack that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so it becomes actually very, very important. So, and it, was, it wasn't until the neuroscience research started to kind of flourish in the early 2000s that some of the answers um, started, to, the, the puzzle pieces started to come together for me. And the, so here's the way to understand it. First of all, our unpleasant feelings, and notice I never call them bad or negative. Right. And I don't call them bad or negative because they're protective. So the fact right. that we're having the reactions that we're having right now, I, I would say pretty normal. And, and this is a time of profound loss. And I don't know that people have necessarily contextualized it that way. But but there there isn't there is there's I mean losses that I can't even document the list of right, right? Uh, loss of freedom of movement loss of being near loved ones loss of touch loss of I, I, loss of community I mean the the list is and and loss of a reality that we knew before and we uh, and we don't have a place to put this. So our brain doesn't really have a, a way to make sense of, of what's going on because it's so unprecedented in our life experience. We can go, mm -hmm. it sort of looks like this, but it's not, right? So, so unpleasant feelings exist for a protective purpose. And that's why I want people to be able to feel them. Mm -hmm. Because when, mm -hmm. when, you don't, when you don't allow yourself to fully experience the natural reactions, the natural, common, everyday, spontaneous reactions to life, you're actually cutting off 50% of your experience. Cut off 50% of your experience. Also, don't talk about that 50% of your experience. And now you have increased anxiety. You have an increased sense of vulnerability. You have impaired relationships. You, mm -hmm. And again, that list gets pretty long as well. Uh, an increased sense of stress, increased pressure. And, and so we, we get, then that leads to oftentimes to, to bodily symptoms, to, to uh, gut problems, to headaches, to migraines, backache. And again, the list just goes on, right? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So, so why stay on unpleasant feelings? Why is this so important to manage those? Because when we do, we're congruent, we're authentic, we're more confident, we have emotional strength. And that list on the positive side is also quite long. Yeah, as a, as a very talented uh, German wasp, uh, I'm extraordinarily good at suppressing feelings and, and trying to push the <laughs> uh, the negative feelings away as much as possible. Unpleasant, unpleasant feelings. I'm sorry, yeah. unpleasant. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I even yeah. knew that. I have my notes here. Not to say the word negative. Um, uh, <laughs> but but I think you're. I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think we can all relate to that feeling of when you do embrace the the uh, unpleasant feelings and not keep them in physically and biochemically 
we can see it in fMRIs even, we see what happens to the body when you actually let them in and, and hold them tight versus shut them down and push them into the dark corner like my family, you know, so. Right, uh, right. Yeah. You know, there's, a, there's <clears throat> actually a study that goes back with uh, Holocaust victims uh, and who had not told their stories. Hmm. And when, when they began to tell their stories, their stress levels and a lot of the biomarkers for well-being showed up quite differently in a positive oh. direction. And positive so, direction. So, yeah, so, so there's something super important about, about not only experiencing what we feel, but our ability to express what we feel. And just for everyone on the, on the Zoom too, feel free, uh, don't jump in verbally, obviously. Right now we're still working on how this is all gonna work, but in the chat, by all means, if you have questions you wanna ask the doctor uh, or any, anyone for that matter, just punch it in in the chat. We're watching the chat here uh, on, on the Zoom. So feel free to ask questions. We'll make sure we, we route them appropriately uh, to the actual only expert here on the call, which is Dr. Rosenberg. Uh, so, so, okay. Um, so you've, you've, you've talked about the need to, uh, let those emotions in, let those feelings in, embrace those emotions, be present with those emotions. Right. And I think we can all understand that. Can you talk a bit about how one does that? Yes. without becoming a basket case. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You don't have to become a basket case at all. And the, what, again, so I, I, let me walk that through. I, 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 I talk about it as a formula. A colleague, I mean, a colleague of mine called it the Rosenberg Reset. So for practical purposes, I call it the Rosenberg Reset. And the, and the idea here in terms of our ability to actually experience and move through those feelings is to, it's, it's the formula is one choice, eight feelings, 90 seconds. Uh, which is which is what I talk about in the in the TED talk. So so how we allow ourselves to to experience that first the first part is has to do with awareness. It's it's our willingness to stay open and uh, open and in touch with aware of and in touch with as much of our moment to moment experience as possible. So it's not avoidance. So no sex, no porn, no shopping, no drugs, no alcohol, no, I mean, there's so many social media, there's just, again, an endless array of ways we stay distracted. Even us having feelings about having feelings is a distraction. Mm -hmm. So if I'm angry that I'm sad, or I'm disappointed that I'm angry, uh, that's distracting from the first feeling. So, so there's, there's countless ways for us to stay distracted. And the first thing is to choose into awareness, not avoidance. So not, not distraction, not disconnection. That's the first thing. Second thing is the eight feelings. I talk about uh, eight feelings as, the, as the, the key feelings to allow yourself to experience, the key unpleasant ones. Most of us do pleasant feelings well, so it's the unpleasant ones that we wanna pay attention to. And with the unpleasant ones, it's uh, the feelings are sadness, shame, helplessness, anger, vulnerability, embarrassment, disappointment and frustration you let me know if you want me to repeat them or not this is all being recorded luckily so people can can slow it okay. down and watch it back which is great okay and then and why these eight because they're the most common everyday spontaneous reactions to things not turning out the way that we feel like we need or believe we need or the way that we want yeah and and they're the 
they're kind of the emotional equivalent of stubbing our toe or the physical mm -hmm. equivalent of stubbing our toe. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it, they, we experience something, we have a reaction, and then it subsides. Feelings are transient, mm -hmm. which leads us to mm -hmm. the 90 seconds. And the idea with the 90 seconds, and this comes from uh, Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor, who wrote a book called My Stroke of Insight. And the book, when in, in the book, she's a Harvard-trained neuroscientist, and in the book, she makes the observation that when a feeling gets triggered, that, that there's a rush of biochemicals into our bloodstream that activate bodily sensations. And then the same, those same biochemicals flush out of our bloodstream in roughly 90 seconds. So mm -hmm. there's the, the tie into the, the book title. And so again, so what's the big deal about this? What's, why is that so important? Because uh, the, we, the, what neuroscience also helped us understand is that when, uh, that when we feel something emotionally, most of us tend to understand what we're feeling or come to know what we're feeling through bodily sensation. So feeling gets fired off, mm -hmm. then, then, I mean, it's biochemicals is what are mm -hmm. uh, the flushing through, uh, rushing through our bloodstream is what actually activates those bodily sensations. So think of heat at your neck or your, mm -hmm. your face for embarrassment. Somebody mm -hmm. might see the redness from that. Or think of, of uh, maybe a, a downward sensation in your chest for sadness or disappointment. Right, so we we come to know what we're feeling through bodily sensation, but but so think of this rush and flush of biochemicals mm -hmm. as a wave, and then the key is you ride the wave. You stay aware of the fact that you're experiencing bodily sensations, and that's what you have to stay present to. And so what dawned on me is that it wasn't it wasn't that we didn't want to feel the whole range of what we do of what we feel emotionally. I think we do. It's that we ne we don't want to feel a bodily sensation that helps us know what we're feeling emotionally. So can I can I just pause you there and ask just to make sure we're Please. we're tracking here and for everyone watching and everyone listening. I think your point is you want to grab that ninety seconds and you want to be extraordinarily present with it and acknowledge the physical sensation that it's having on your body and not shunning it I and mean, really just kind of owning it, feeling the heaviness in your chest. Feeling the, the feeling the the heat on your neck, feeling right. the, the the tingling in your fingers in some cases. Like you, I think what you're saying right. is just, just hold to it. on to it. it. Will, yes, yeah. yes, embrace it exactly. Yep. And and most times it won't even last the 90 seconds. Yep. Now now there people will go well. There's lingering feelings. I've had feelings right. for decades. <clears throat> the truth right. is you don't have feelings for decades. You have memories. And the memory pulls up everything that came with it, which includes the feelings. So one of the ways it seems like we have lingering feelings is that we keep on repeating certain thoughts or repeating certain memories, and it reactivates those same feelings, oh, or an approximate. Got it. <clears throat> you got you yeah, so, right, right. Um, so, the, so what I want people to do is to surf the waves, just ride the waves. Uh, I was saying I was saying that for years until the neuroscience came out, and in fact, I was. The good news is that I was I was accurate at that point. <laughs> it was so it's it's understanding that, that the most important thing that someone needs to do is to and actually I'll, I'll frame it I'll frame it in a very positive way. Uh, if if one is open to 
staying, staying present to, to riding one or more short-lived bodily sensation waves of one or more of eight unpleasant feelings. They can either handle whatever they need to go through or they can pursue whatever they want in life. So can we make it really practical, doctor? Like, yes. let's say, um, like, bring it, like, bring it down to now. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you know, now, or even just like, maybe just, just, just let's just run a scenario. So, sure. um, I don't know what's what's embarrassing. So maybe maybe I, I get up from the Zoom call and I'm not wearing pants, uh, and so and everyone sees that. And by the way, I am wearing pants to be clear. But uh, if I weren't, I, and, and it's now I'm, I'm suddenly I'm embarrassed, right? So I'm very right. embarrassed by that. Like, can you tell me what it means to be present with that? Well, when, when you when a, you realize it and you realize that other people saw you in that way, yeah, then it yeah, would then right. would be, then it, then it probably would be something like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. How how can right. I let that happen? How how can I let that happen? Right. right? But so, right. Uh, but but that that experience does not last long. Right. So so maybe you get that flushing sensation. Or, or, you know, the sensation when somebody looks at you, hey, Stefan, your, right. your zipper's <laughs> down, right? Right. Right. So it's the same thing. It's like it, that's, that's the experience is short-lived. But if you keep on going back to that and go, God, that was so stupid of me. What an idiot I am, right? right. The harsh self-criticism and that kind of thinking is also what makes it feel like the feelings linger. But the, but the it. embarrassment itself, momentary. Got it. So, so much of it is about in the moment, embracing and acknowledging the feeling and then completely letting go of it. Yes. Yes. To the, yes, absolutely, Kylie, to the degree that we can do that. Exactly. Yes. And, and what, I, what I watch, uh, and, and I'm adamant about this, is uh, how toxic and how damaging un, uh, harsh self-criticism is. And, and so <laughs> the harsh self-criticism is a second element that makes uh, makes it feel like feelings linger. And, and so I think so the question from the audience here, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead, that. Sure, no, go no, ahead. All good. I was just saying we had a question come in. Um, so what impact does that feeling and ruminating on that feeling have on your body? That's the, where the toxicity comes in. Uh, so, so and, and, and think of it from the standpoint of uh, harsh self-criticism, I think of it from the standpoint of anxiety, which I, I think that would be useful to unpack, especially in this time, <coughs> because I, excuse me, I have a different way of looking at that. Uh, the, it, it takes a big toll on your body. Anytime you worry, and, and I believe anytime, you, well, at what we know actually from many studies is that positive or optimistic thinking makes a huge difference in someone's life in terms of boosting up their, uh, their immune system. And, and negative thinking, trash talk, negative self-talk, uh, worry, anxiety, whatever words we want to use for the variety of those things, all of those things uh, decrease the, the capacity and the power of the immune system. So, so we, we know, uh, just from study after study, that uh, <coughs> there'd be too many to, to cite, uh, that, mm -hmm. that um, the immune system actually gets compromised when people are living in those ways. Yeah, and that, I think it's, it's, it's both the, my, my understanding of these from the literature as well is you, it's, it's one thing to feel positive. Um, what I've seen is, is 
the power of language and positive language and positive words actually as well. Oh, yes. so you can you can kind of define your reality. You actually do. It's almost like a self fulfilling prophecy. If you use language which is negative, generally the outcomes will be negative. And it's on on the flip side. If you actually use positive language to describe situations, circumstances, hopes and dreams, etc., uh, then then generally speaking. Uh, without getting too much into the secret or any of that kind of stuff like that. Right, Generally, right, that, right, that, no. that positive, if you're a little careful, but that, that positive self-talk, my understanding is at least has a, has a disproportionately higher likelihood of success in, in achieving that goal than if you are neutral to negative. Yeah, well, the, the conversation actually shifts into probably a quantum physics discussion on yeah, that one. But, right. <laughs> but yeah, in terms, of, in terms of how that works, but the, uh, and I'm not as well-versed in that, so I'll, I'll leave it at yeah. that. But, but yeah. here's the, and I'll keep it super simple, the, but this is my best recommendation for people. You always want to think, speak, and act in the direction you want to go. And that's, that's how yep. simple it becomes. Think yeah. in the direction you want to go, speak in the direction you want to go, and take action in the direction you want to go. And, 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 and you, it, the thing is you don't, you don't do the opposite, right? So I, when I'm listening and working with people, I will, I'm, I'm very attuned to language and, and I will challenge when I hear, I mean, even I, I don't remember, I, I was talking with somebody actually in, in New York uh, a couple of days ago who's had to take her entire business online based on the circumstances that we're in. Right. And, and it, she was able to do it actually. She was very aggressive in a very positive way and it took a lot of initiative and did that, but she was, the, what, what she was starting to talk about is where it was gonna fall apart and how it was gonna turn out. And, right. and, and so she was headed in that direction. I said, is that where you want it to go? She goes, no, of course not. Well, I said, then, then, then hold the vision, not the circumstance. So I, mm. I, I have to attribute, mm. I have to, to attribute the, the convert, this, this part of it to Mary Morrissey, so I, I always want to give correct attribution. Mary Morrissey always talks about not getting lost in the circumstances and the conditions. Yeah, that, I, and, I and, love that. Hold the right? vision, not the circumstance. So, yes. so you hold the vision. You think in the direction you want to go. You don't, are, so it's not about reactivity here. Right. In fact, in fact, the most challenging thing for most of us to do is to think beyond our circumstances. Right to think right. beyond our conditions and hold a bigger vision for ourselves so that we can actually make our way through what's taking place. So how do we, how do we kind of square that with the current situation? Hopefully you have some insight here for all of us where, where the circumstances are bigger than almost all of us, right? And uh, so how do, you, how do you not get into a Pollyanna-ish view of just positive thinking your way out of this, uh, but really, understand that you do have a role to play in this in solving this but any one person probably can't like does that make sense i'm trying i'm, I'm sure, an articulate well, question yeah, no, that's no, I, well that for me that's that actually probably opens a, a potentially long discussion but <laughs> I, I start i started saying we're, we're at a time of great loss right yeah so so the, the first thing that we have to do and for me it's a combination of of not necessarily i don't want to call it positive thinking but optimistic mm -hmm. thinking and, and I also, uh, in my book, I, I talk about attitudes you can hold to, to be more resilient. 
and mm -hmm. and so so one of those I would I would have I would want people to hold in the moment right now is that I'm open to learning from every life experience I have. Uh, well, I'm going through a pretty unpleasant life experience right now, except I'm holding the openness to learning from it. Right? It's not a negative. It's I'm going to learn from it even though it's even though it's really hard. Right? And I know that people have lost jobs and the, uh, lost work, lost and lost again, lost a lot. So we have to yeah. acknowledge the reality of the situation. We have to acknowledge the facts, and mm -hmm. and and go, and and be true to those facts. It, it, it's it's also sort of a state of shock. So if there's yeah. numbness, if there's confusion, if there's anger, if there's sadness, if there's disappointment, if there's rage, then okay, guess what? Normal, totally normal reactions to what's taking place right now. It's horribly confusing. Right. And and when when have any of us been locked up in our homes, <laughs> right. except when except being told you can't go out to play, right? <laughs> um, right? So that's that would be it. But most of us don't have that experience, uh, and and so they, they, but the, the there's beauty in this at the same time, because we have humanity sharing that with us. So what does it require True. of us? It requires us to be. It requires us to think beyond where we are and 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 say to ourselves i'm going to i'm going to deal with this i don't know what it's going to look like except i'm i'm going to um i'm going to stay present to those eight feelings because those are true to my experience i'm and i'm going to stay in community i'm going to stay well connected to people because i can't do this alone part of the big message here i think is we're supposed to be doing it together you know, and what, it, what did it start out with a couple weeks ago and how inspired did people become by the people that were singing across the balconies in Italy, right? So, but right. That's, that's connection, that's, that's community. And if we approach this from the standpoint of I'm gonna, I'm gonna have this experience bring the best out of me, again, then we approach what we're going through in a much different way and we keep our immune system up, not down. Right. Yep. Yeah. So, but if we just throw our hands up and go, oh, I can't do this. I feel helpless, which most it's of us feel by the way. Yeah. Right. It's right. Yeah. It's not. A, so, so then it, so then it, right. So then it becomes questions like rather than this is happening to me, this is happening for me. Right. Yeah. So, 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 like so, so what can I learn? Because this experience for all of us is happening for us. Right. Um, and yeah. what, so what's happening? We're becoming more present. I will tell you that uh, all of us, all of us come out of um, the, the suppression, the, the stay at home order. Then, then I suspect that our sense of community is going to feel that much stronger. Or mm -hmm. those hugs are going to mean a whole lot more. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, just to be able to touch people that we love is going to, in fact, it's actually bringing tears to my eyes when I'm talking about it. That, that 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 those those moments hopefully hopefully we don't become um what's what's the word take them for granted yeah as we did before and that and yeah. the, the the interactions so there's so much good that can come out and part of it is then staying present to what's taking place um it's it's uh it, it's minding our minds so that we're in charge of how we're thinking um, it's staying in, in a good connection with other people with a focus on community and where we can also contribution.
so that so that we we don't do it alone. We ask for help as we need it. Uh, um, and so it, those are those are some of the the positive things. But I also want to speak, if I may, around the idea yeah, of anxiety, please. because this is a yeah, please. And again, anxiety I'm is. I'm going to ask you to do this. I love how you <laughs> anxiety. I think it's super interesting. Um, so I'm so glad you're jumping in on this. You read my okay. mind. Good, cool, thank you. Um, and thanks, by the way, Kylie, for the reach out and to ask me to join you. Um, of course. The the here's my here's my deal with anxiety, um, and and I I want to walk people through a sequence for for a moment. The the I, people talk about being very afraid now. So there's fear and there's worry and there's anxiety. So worry is considered more of a mind activity. Anxiety becomes the bodily experience tied to the worry. So there's all sorts of symptoms, as you know, that are associated with that. Lots, of, obviously, lots of stuff that affects the gut, um, and and the uh, uh, true also for fear. So with fear, psychology talks about fear as danger in the moment right now. And uh, but the truth of the matter is, and, and are we in a high, more heightened experience of fear? Would that be a logical reaction? Yes, it would. <coughs> For the, um, but at, where there are survival issues, fear is. Uh, I would expect fear, and I would want fear, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. right? Because it's Keeps because it, it, yeah. it's it needs to be there to help us take action, or to protect ourselves. The uh, so, but but those of us who are not in danger in the moment right now. So we have food on our refrigerator. We have people we can call. We have um, things to do, <laughs> projects to complete, things to create. <coughs> then, then, then we're not we're not in fear. And th then I would say stop using the word because I don't want you to use the word to activate the state, which is what you brought up a little bit earlier. So, so let's drop the fear unless you're in true danger, right? Mm -hmm. Then the, okay, then what do I call this that I'm going through? Well, the, most of us would then call it anxiety. And fair, uh, anxiety from psychology's point of view is uh, a diffuse apprehension of the future. And it's usually tied to worrying about a negative outcome a negative outcome and then my whole thing is a negative emotional outcome to the negative outcome right or an unpleasant emotional outcome so so okay that that seems pretty accurate for what's going on right now but but what's interesting to me is that if i were to ask 10 people what what anxiety meant to them i would probably get 10 different answers mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. anxiety is way too vague a word as is stress for me it's it's non-specific um uh, you know i'm stressed i'm overwhelmed i get it but what most more specifically uh is happening and the so the the element here is that if people take one of the eight feelings that i talk about which is vulnerability and they actually use that word it actually feels more settling, more comfortable, a little bit calmer. And the truth right. is, we're the truth is we're all vulnerable. We have this, yeah. and vulnerability is the notion that we could get hurt, right? But it's but it's way different. Saying I feel vulnerable right now feels very different from I'm anxious and I'm or I have a lot of anxiety. 
And, and that actually is one of the, the questions that just came in. That's an interesting, as you were speaking, it popped in, which basically was, there seems to currently be a fear that causes anxiety to many of the, to many of the uncertainty or uncertainties that may happen as a result of this. So how, some of this can be irrational and some rational. How would you advise people to manage this level of anxiety? I think you just said it, like replace anxiety with well, vulnerability. No, no, yes, well, yes. <clears throat> Go ahead. That's, no, it's that's, not, not right that's, though. That's, that's, no, that's not, that's, that's step one. That's okay. step one. So, so we go from fear, fear to anxiety. We go from anxiety to vulnerability. And if it's not vulnerability, it's one or more of the other seven feelings. I see. So, and, okay. and the, the, the examples that I would be more inclined to use in this kind of a situation are times when uh, you're really angry with a partner, but you don't want to talk about it. And now you're feeling anxious because you're actually not telling the truth of what's going on. Yep. So, so it has, that energy has to go someplace. So it, be, it becomes something else. So for me, the way I, the way I think through anxiety is that it's, most typically vulnerability first. And if it's not vulnerability, it's one or more of the other seven feelings. And here's how you handle vulnerability. <laughs> I would, in fact, what I would say is visually, imagine all of you drawing a line down the middle of a piece of paper. And on one side, you have the word vulnerability. And on the other side of that piece of paper, you have the other seven feelings. Okay. The outcome, the emotional outcome to being vulnerable are those seven feelings. Is that a good thing? I think it's a good thing. Because okay, okay. No, I'm just making sure. I think it's making a sure good, I'm I, Yeah, I think it's a great thing. Yes, Jesse, I will. I saw your question. Um, the, 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 so, so think of it this way. So if I feel vulnerable, so, so let, let's use right now as an example. I'm doing a, this is a speaking, it's speaking engagement for me, right? Right. right. But you could, you could have all sorts of unpleasant reactions to what I'm saying. Uh, so I'm being vulnerable in the moment. Right. To, to, to put the work out and to, you know, to provide a new set of ideas to think about in this time. And, and so I, I'm vulnerable in the moment, except I, I can choose into that vulnerability. In this case, I'm choosing the vulnerability. There's a vulnerability we don't choose. Uh, one I call conscious vulnerability, the other I call non-conscious vulnerability. So we're all non-consciouses, we're all vulnerable all the time. Anything could happen to any one of us, and it has, right? Okay, vulnerable moments. And, but the way we handle it is to be able to handle the other seven feelings. So what's the outcome if this doesn't turn out well? I'll be embarrassed. I might be sad, I might be angry, right? I might be disappointed, right? Right. So the way you handle vulnerability, whether it's non-conscious vulnerability, like what we're all going through, or vulnerability you choose into, which happens to be your greatest strength, mm -hmm. is to be able to know that you can handle the other seven feelings. You're willing to stay open and present to deal with the other seven feelings because that's going to be the most common emotional outcome to whatever turns out. Got it. Does, does this make sense? It, uh, hopefully, to the, it does to me, hopefully to the whole group yeah. as well. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, 
I, I know there's a couple more. Go ahead. Kai. Yeah, I was going to say and another question came in that I'm personally also very curious about um, being a mom is how do we help children work through these feelings of um, of anxiety or or stress or or worrying? Um, do we ask them questions about those eight feelings and and try and empower them with those words? What do you recommend? Yeah, I would. I, I do recommend them being encouraging of children talking through stuff. So that's the first thing: is don't don't suppress and don't don't shut it down. If they're if they're concerned, you know, mommy, will I die? Mommy, what's happening? What you know, whatever the questions are, it's it, it's like you know what it, it, you want to be you want to be reassuring, but not in a way that is uh, kind of Pollyannish. So it's so it's uh, it, it's. You know what? There's lots of things we don't know. Um, or, or um, I'm going to do my best to protect you. And I, and I can see that you're, you know, I can see this is upsetting you. Talk, tell me about what's upsetting you here, or what you're, what you're concerned about, or worried about, or whatever the language would be for the age of the child. And so, scale that up, up or down appropriately. The uh, but it would also, if they're sad and they need to cry, let them cry. It's like if they're if they're angry that certain things aren't happening, they can be angry. And so it's just it's just uh, it kind of honor the feeling with them, and and it's it's also helping them understand that everybody's going to work together to try to figure this out. So you want to reassure from the standpoint that the way the way I think about it is that in terms of we're going to resource each other, right? That's not language I would use with a child, but as adults, we're, we want to be well-resourced. So, uh, so the idea is that if mommy, if mommy and mommy can't figure it out or mommy and daddy can't figure it out or daddy and daddy can't figure it out, then we're all going to work together with our friends and our other family members to try to figure out how we solve this. So, so mm -hmm. part, of the way, part of the way you talk about it is um, is not to give false signals, but but you know it, look around. We're safe right now, right? Um, and we have food. We have food, and we're going to do everything we can to help protect you. And there's many things we don't know, and we're going to figure that we're going to figure them out uh, by our, with, uh, between us here with family and friends or. With other people, so that we can we can figure out how to solve what we're, what's going on right now. So it, it's that it's a it's a po it's positive leaning, but not not falsely. Not false, yeah. And I think also kind of taking a page out of your book that you mentioned earlier would it, it seems kind of taking some of those um, kind of positive reframing moments and incorporating them, right? So how wonderful is this that we get to spend this much time together as a family right. we haven't had yes. the opportunity to do this in so long right. um you know typically you're having to learn letters and numbers and now look at how much time you're getting to spend doing art or free play right um, right 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 yes absolutely so yes yeah, so uh, you can take all of those unique moments right this is and this is a time, frankly, uh, well, this is a time that I will either will bring people closer together as a family, or it's going to be time <laughs> that might rip people apart as a family. But yeah, uh, I, think, but, I think both are true. Yeah. So um, yeah. I, my, my understanding is filings for divorces went up in certain areas already, but uh, which, huh. is, which is unfortunate. 
um, be, but but the uh, or maybe fortunate people are actually getting really clear on what they need to do. I don't know, but right, right, um, right. So, but the, the but the but the yes. So that there's lots of different ways, Kylie, to reframe yeah. positively in terms of the all the opportunities that are actually coming out of this. So we yeah. talked a little bit about kids, which I think is helpful for some people. But I'd also love to lean in a little bit more and talk to um, and talk to kind of partner relationships. Yes. So being on being on you know on top of each other, working in, in close quarters, not being able to have space in some instances, the added stress. Often partners take things out on each other, right? Whoever they're the closest with and they're spending most time time with. How how can we work to improve our relationships with our partners? As as these times are uncertain or uncertain, and we're all feeling more vulnerable and right. um, in moments of fear. Now, uh, it, I, great question. Uh, you know, I think I, what I would actually have the couple do is sit down together and uh, and see if they see if you can kind of map out a couple of things uh, from a structural standpoint. Um, uh, but I'll, I'll touch on that in a moment. But uh, I think the first thing to to that I would want a couple to do is to understand that the argument is really about the argument. And so if they're, if they're on top of each other, then, then, and, and there's arguing and I would say one, see if you can not escalate it. Uh, two, um, um, come back to the notion that you're on the same team. So the idea is to understand what the distress is that's happening that's causing the friction. And, and so that you, you want to uh, look at the other person and go, okay, great, I, I hear that you're angry and I hear that you're angry about X. Um, is there anything else that's going on that might have nothing to do with, the, with what you're actually saying you're angry about? It could be the, that very thing, uh, or uh, my hunch is that uh, it, you know, lots of times uh, what ends up happening uh, uh, and I, I see this a little bit more in men than I do in women, but women do it too. So, so bear with me on the, on the brief generalization here. Uh, men don't like to feel helpless. They don't like to feel disappointed and they don't like to feel sad and they don't like to feel vulnerable. And a lot of that will show up as anger. Mm. And, and so, um, so it's also trying to live, so that the goal in, in some of these arguments is not to get to the right answer. The goal is to get to the understanding and the connection. And and so it's but but the challenge is that get that's the the argument becomes the argument and the topic become the central focus when understanding and connection should be the central focus. Yeah. Uh, so that so that's on an emotional standpoint, same team understanding and connection, um, get underneath. The, the topic to, to go there. On, from a structural standpoint, I think it's really important for the couple to talk about how to make use of the space and how to make use of the, of the time. That it's like looking at each other and going, you know what, we're both gonna need uh, separate time, we're both gonna need some alone time, we're both gonna need um, workspace, all those different kinds of things. So what can we do to set this up so that so that we're we we're kind of doing the best we can in terms of acknowledging the needs we have for these different things or the need i have for you to help take care of the kids in x kind of a way so that i can take a break and then i'll be engaged with the kids so that you can take a break um, mm -hmm. so 
<coughs> excuse me, it's, it's, um, it's talking about those, those kinds of things um, very, very consciously. So ensuring that that gut has, it's not permeable, it's got the right bacteria inside of it, it's generating the right levels of serotonin to get back to your, your, your bloodstream to help with those, those biochemical markers and feelings. It's really, it's more than just a good idea, it's good science. And so, you know, we're discussing Dr. Rosenberg, the, the need for having a, a great, healthy gut in this time. Oh, no, to I totally well. agree. I, in fact, uh, I, I was trying to put it in an acronym. So it's, it's uh, sunlight, it's good nutrition, it's sleep, it's meditation, it's um, exercise. It's, so it's, there's a, the whole, a whole list of those kinds of things that help, help promote right. actually very good gut health. So, and uh, yeah, no, and, and you know, there's a, the, the vagal nerve. Right. Um, it, it, it is, uh, which is, uh, I think it's the 10th cranial nerve actually runs, it runs from our brain, takes in all of our uh, facial muscles, uh, goes through the throat, goes through the heart, goes to the gut. And when we get afraid, so that the, there's a concept called neuroception that's part of this, what I call non-conscious vulnerability <clears throat> that, that is involved, it runs through all of those. So when we get really upset, it affects gut health because mm -hmm. that vagal nerve is being upset. Mm -hmm. So the more, the more we can stay in a place of calm, the, again, the healthier we are, the part of how do we stay in calm, we are in charge of our minds and we're also in charge yeah. of what we're eating and how we're taking, taking care of that health, that gut health. Uh, a, a viewer named uh, Jesse Goldberg has now asked a couple of times uh, to have you repeat those eight feelings <laughs> and she's actually yelling, yelling now in the chat, which is great. I see. Thank you, Ms. Goldberg. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I saw the I saw that first one. Uh, I did too, but I we were, I, I think I figured we'd get to it at some point. But so so maybe you can repeat those eight feelings. Sure, I'm happy to. Um, the sadness, shame, okay, helplessness, sadness, shame. anger, vulnerability, embarrassment, disappointment, and frustration. Got it. And, so it's, and again, this is again, 10 times fast. <laughs> 10 times fast. I can do it. <laughs> well, this again, is this is recorded. We'll put, we'll post it on our site after so folks can, can uh, rewatch this when we probably yeah, have Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's a, I used to have five, I went from five to six to eight or some, some so it's, it's this is work that I've actually done for 25 years. So it's, right. um, it, 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 there's a, a long history of, of me seeing how this works and, and, it, and it really does. And it's, it's amazing. It's a, what's amazing to me is how simple the whole process is, uh, you know, and, and as much as the method is important, the 90 seconds so that you actually stay present to the feeling, mm -hmm. but the bodily mm -hmm. sensation. So you stay present to the feeling. What's more important is the eight feel, are the eight feelings. Mm -hmm. So if you know, you've got well, those look, eight feelings, you got, yeah. Then, then you're then you're going to be in good shape. Look, I know uh, we've taken a bunch of, of your time, which we're very thankful for, and I, I know our viewers, both live and and on demand, will be very thankful for as well. Um, Kai, is there anything else you want to ask that we that we can throw out there, or yeah, let the good doctor get back to healing people? Uh, please come again. You've been amazing. Thank you, Kelsey. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, <laughs> awesome. Good. No, this has been this has been super helpful. Some really great reminders for me, and hopefully, some really great new information for for everyone here. Thank you so much for your time. I think this has been a great use of the last hour. I think you know I'm breathing much easier now. Me just, too. Um, yeah. <laughs> it feels everything feels lighter. So thank yeah. you for that. You bet. And you bet. So. Look forward to uh, practicing a lot of these things awesome. um, over the next coming days. Perfect. Perfect. Thanks again right, for well, everyone. For, thanks again. For having, Appreciate you it. Bet. You bet. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.